0: Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen.
1: Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. It's December and it is Christmas Eve.
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of young families, Christmas Christmas is something you look forward to all year. And when you're picturing family life, I mean, Christmas is a highlight of young children and family life. And we have had a lot of disastrous Christmases with lots of young children. I think it was, we've had several Christmases where a bunch of people have the stomach virus.
0: Yeah, that <laughs> I don't was know awful. How
1: it happens, I don't it, and and a lot of our friends with young families too. For some reason, Christmas goes hand in hand with stomach viruses. I I don't know.
0: Right. So I, 24 <laughs> hours before Christmas and we have no stomach viruses.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling we really can still get them, I'm neither. feeling really excited about Christmas this year. We are
0: Yeah, we've done a lot So of far so good. It's
1: Christmas Eve. So far so good. And I was on top of I think also I have I usually had a ton of little children and I feel so a little bit behind in stress when it comes to Christmas shopping and everything, and this year I just feel like on top of things.
0: Yeah, we went through the <laughs> season because we had four kids in five years where you're struggling just to make sure you can take a shower and do basic things. <laughs> and the thought of like then getting people presents on top of it was so stressful.
1: I know it was. So we'd be running around like on December 23rd trying to like, what do we get? I don't know. I what know. Do we get our parents? There was ah. one
0: Christmas where I was <laughs> at CVS. <laughs> right before <laughs> like the day before christmas just trying to get something to give to people that was yeah, depressing yeah
1: so this year i don't know i'm uh god protect us so far so good i don't know we're feeling good about christmas yes. <laughs> this year so anyway um So I guess today we're going to just have a Christmas podcast. We're going to talk about December on a homestead. And most people will not be listening to this, I think, today, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because you'll be busy with your families. But for people listening to this the days after Christmas, just remember Christmas is a season of celebration. It is not just a day. So if you do have a, a terrible Christmas, it is a... Christmas Christmas season goes until January 7th this year, the epiphany of the Lord, the, the day the wise men came. Um, so it's Christmas season. Yeah, celebrate <laughs> the whole time. Yes.
0: So about a day and a half ago, Kristen had this idea of what she wanted for our new Christmas tradition.
1: I love, I love traditions. <laughs>
0: right. Kind of last minute, but our friends were able to come over. So we we have a new tradition now.
1: Yeah, a little side note about our life. Pete and I grew up in the same street in a um, more suburban town, about a half hour from where we are now, and we had a great, amazing group of f- friends that were all kind of in the same state of life um, as us. And when we moved out to the country, it was there were several other families that were filling that same pool to move out to the country and to homestead. So we're lucky we have a couple... Of really close family friends who are who live close to us and are also doing the homesteading thing one family has goats and pigs and uh, chickens and all that and then another family just moved out and they're just getting started too so I just we decided to call over our homesteading friends to do a little homesteading Christmas tradition. <laughs> right.
0: And they were able to come last minute, which was yes. cool. But
1: So I had this idea that I said to Pete, I wanted to have all the kids start up in the house with candles, and we were going to process down to the barn with a little baby, Jesus, and sing Christmas carols, and lay the baby doll, which was baby Jesus, in the manger, the cow's feeding trough. Right. To make it like really real and special.
0: So Kristen has this idea and she's really excited about it, so I don't want to let her down, but I'm like, how is this going to work? You're going you're gonna to put a baby doll in the cow's manger? Well, you just looked like, at me. she might eat it or something. <laughs>
1: you looked at me and you were like, I don't think Carmel is going to appreciate a baby doll in her feeding trough.
0: Right. <laughs> so I was like, should we just get her out of there? But you were like, no, there's supposed to be cows in I the want manger. the cows
1: to be in there. I want the cows to be in there. So like, whatever, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I told, so we called over our friends. They all came over and tons of little kids, lots of little boys, um, all the same age. And there's one sweet girl, (laughs) one sweet girl in the group. Um, So anyway, I'm talking to them. I'm like, guys, I don't know. This is kind of an experimental year. I don't know how this might go. Uh, (laughs) My friend was like, so the cow might throw the baby jesus out of the manger this might be kind of yeah. sacrilegious but yeah. you know we're going to try it but anyway so we're leading up to this tradition that we have and this or that we're starting and i realized we have a family of boys we don't have a baby doll so i call the moms i'm like does anybody have a baby doll and they're all families of boys and so nobody has a baby doll so um right beforehand i we are going to mass we went to mass yesterday we'll go to mass again tonight And um, we swam by the thrift store, and I like raced into the thrift store and um, grabbed this. There were just toys kind of scattered everywhere, and I found a baby doll, and it was like the most pathetic-looking baby doll. People were probably like, that poor girl. What is she doing? (laughs) But it was $2, so I got a $2 baby doll, and we wrapped the baby doll in swaddling clothing, a little white blanket, and um, we had all the kids. We started the house. We read you know, some scripture verses, and then we, we all processed down. It was it was the experimental year. We got outside, it was kind of rainy, and all the candles immediately
0: Yeah, they immediately out. went out.
1: <laughs> but Pete had his guitar, and Pete was singing the Christmas carols. We were carols. singing
0: Christmas carols, but I was. I was playing my guitar, which meant that I wasn't then available to take care of the cow.
1: <laughs> Those kids. So we processed down with the baby and um, opened the cow stall. So we have a big barn, and we were all kind of in the center of the barn, and then we opened the cow stall, and... Um, you know start going in with the baby doll and she got kind of mad and yeah, she, she mood a lot so she's in the stall with her calf but her calf's on one side and there's a gate in between them but she just got really mad and she just left
0: yeah she she did not appreciate she's it she's like I, so she just left. I don't
1: want to be part of this so she walks out but then she doesn't want to leave her baby so she just kind of is standing outside of her stall her stall goes out to a pasture so she's just standing there like with her head kind of in, staring at everybody. And so we lay the baby in the manger. It was really sweet, really special. I mean, for these kids to see what a manger actually is. yeah. And, you know, I, like, would you put, like, imagine putting a baby in this now, this manger. I mean, it was really, yeah. it, it, it was really special. So we're singing the Christmas carols, and I actually decided to let the kids come in one by one to look at it. And Carmela, the cow, was standing with her head poking in. And... Part of me was kind of like, hmm, she'll, like, if we have a cat or a dog that comes around, she'll kind of charge at the cat or charge at the dog. So I was kind of wondering, is she going to, like, charge at the kids? You know? So I was staying there and I was like, I will, I just really wanted this to happen. So I guess I just kind of put fear aside. So I was like, I'll stand here and if the cow charges, I will scream and protect the child. I'll. (laughs) I'll risk my life for this tradition I want this tradition to happen (laughs) like I've said before I'm scared of the cows but I just really wanted this to happen so I was like I'll die Uh, if she charges I'll put myself in this you know so the kids came in kind of one by one there's like tons of children I mean lots of boys and we all looked at the the baby Jesus in the manger and saying the Christmas carols and yeah, I think you went. I mean, I'll make some tweaks next year.
0: I imagine the real Chris, Christmas being slightly more peaceful. <laughs> yeah, than ours
1: because of the parents. So Pete's playing the guitar. There, there's
0: a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, for Pete teaching. was
1: playing the guitar and. It's like a lot of homeschool kids, and homeschool kids do not know how to wait in line. So, I'm trying to get them to line up and come right. in one what? by one, and what they could not understand the of? concept. So, they kept trying to rush into the stall. And I'm like, get back one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And they're all like rushing in to see this baby. They really were into it. They really wanted to see this baby in the manger. I'm talking about like tons of boys under the age of like eight. Yeah. So, they all want to come in, and I'm like, can I get a grown up to help me, please? Like, bring yeah, right. up these children. So, <clears throat> slightly chaotic, but really special.
0: It worked out well. I had I've had this idea in my head probably most people do when you think of a homestead of so all the animals are integrated together they're all interacting with each other and you know we talk about how helpful it is to have chickens with cows and and have the dogs and the cats and everything and they're all working together for the system so you think of of this nice peaceful atmosphere where that's taking place which is definitely true sometimes and then other times it's basically a circus
1: yes it was was, yeah so there were just you know cats running around we did actually we we kept the dogs away because our dogs have no manners and they're huge. But yeah, it was, it's just pretty crazy. But anyway, it was a, it was a success. I baked a bunch of cookies and then the grownups came in and we had wine and it was just really fun. And the kids destroyed the basement. I don't know what happened down there. Yeah. I came down after they left and literally all the furniture was moved. That's was what like, they what do. I've never, what nev- are you doing?
0: I've, I've realized <laughs> this about uh, boys. I, we don't have girls, so I don't know what it's like for them, but about boys is that the second they inter- interact with something new, their immediate desire is just to test their strength against it, which means break it or or smash it or move it or throw it. That's yes. what they want to do. So, So, yeah, you get a whole bunch of them in one house together, and that's just what happens.
1: Yeah, so we had – it was three families that got together and tons of little boys, and then one sweet girl who was – she's like 10 – or no, she she's twelve? Yeah, she's twelve, sorry. And she just sat with the grown ups while we chatted and the kids just it was like mass chaos downstairs. But it was just super fun and really special. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's our tradition. I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. I have visions of my grandchildren coming and doing this. I'm yeah. really excited.
0: <laughs> we'll see what happens.
1: So anyway. Animals. Well,
0: yeah, so we'll talk about our, our December animal interactions. We have our turkeys. You know, we had kept them confined for a while. I think we talked about that. And we realized that they've become attached to the chicken flock because that's who they grew up with. And so mm-hmm. we just let them out. And now the turkeys wander around all day long with the chickens, which is what we wanted all along to see them out on the property. Right. They fly out of the... The pasture pretty easily, but it doesn't matter. They never go real far because they don't want to leave the flock.
1: Yeah, I feel like we accidentally stumbled upon a great way to raise turkeys.
0: Right, raise them with your chickens.
1: Well, but
0: I, <clears> which <throat> is right, pretty obvious.
1: I think, but I think we talked about this. Everything you read says not to do that because I think if you are producing a huge flock of chickens and a huge flock of turkeys, if you're trying to make a business off of this, I think it can be dangerous because the chickens can carry diseases that the turk could kill the turkeys. So I think if you are this big farm where it can be very dangerous for you. But for us on a little homestead, it's been great. So we raised the the turkeys with the baby chicks and now they're one big flock. So the turkeys can fly all they want. They fly away, but they always come back to their little flock of chickens.
0: Right. Yeah. No. And it's fun to see them out there. They're getting huge.
1: Yes. They're huge. I, and they're. I see them walking around the yard. Today they were, I don't know what, we were looking out the window having coffee this morning and they were hanging out with the cats. I don't know what that was about.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of weird. They all <laughs> hang out together. I, I walk down to the barn in the morning and the evening, and a lot of times, yeah, they're all just like wrestling with each other, the da- dogs and the cats. Chasing
1: and, each other. And
0: then the cows are mooing, and I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy, but I've been giving the cats a, a little bowl of milk in the morning after I'm done milking the cow, and so the one cat, this is like the friendliest cat in the world, and... She's like constantly checking on me the entire time I'm milking the cow to see if I'm done. And she just, you know, rubs up against me and purrs and runs back and forth in between the cow's legs. And I don't <laughs> think the cow really appreciates that, but whatever, it seems to be fine. And then uh, I come out and I give give them a little bowl of milk and it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the cow doesn't particularly like the other animals around her. Um, yeah. I think she's kind of protecting her baby. Which is neat. Well, she doesn't
0: care about the chickens. They're fine. But the dogs but the and the dogs cats. the dogs and the cats,
1: she doesn't like them around. So She
0: wants to kill them. So
1: that's been the hard thing for me. So I talked about this before. I'm having my cow bonding every day to like break my fear of the cows. So the problem is, though, I go out to see the cows, and then the dogs and the cats, have. they see me, they have to be with me. So I'm going out to the cows with all these animals, and then the cow chases the cats away. So the other day I was out with the cows, and I had this... The cat was rubbing against my leg and purring. And then the cow decides to chase, to just kind of run after the cat, which is under my legs. So I'm like, ah! I'm screaming as this cow was kind of charging at my legs. But it was the cat that she wanted. So I, I don't know. I feel like for cow bonding, I have to lock up all the other animals to go be with the cows. Yeah. It has yeah, the second you're outside,
0: dogs. all of them are just wanting to be
1: with you. Yes. So that's been uh, funny. So we took our cat, our barn cat, to the vet. To get hurt, to get spayed, and um, the kitten that we had back in May, and I'm always a little bit nervous that they're gonna. Which is our area, the people are just funny about outdoor animals. I know that's not the case everywhere in the country, but um, I go to the vet and I'm like, she's just the most. She's the friendliest cat in the world. She's a barn cat, and they could not get over her. They So they, they said that they couldn't get her heartbeat because she would not stop purring and just wanting to be pet. And then right when she woke up from her surgery, she was just purring and purring. And they were like, we have never seen a more friendly cat. Yeah. So that's, you yeah, know. She's
0: terrific. I, I also had the same concern because, you know, dogs and cats are so domesticated around here that people don't even understand how they could exist without human and, you know, help and living in a house and stuff. And but we went to get her spayed, and the vet had all this documentation about how feral cats are, they basically call them community cats, and mm-hmm. they're an integral part of the community. And if you bring in a community cat, they'll spay it for free, and they recommend do, doing that instead of taking it to the to the pound. Uh, Where they're going to be put it.
1: down, yeah. Yeah,
0: but no, the the vet was all for having outdoor cats and uh, even talked about how a lot of times they're more well-adjusted in some ways. So.
1: Because they're probably happier that they get to be out doing their cat yeah. thing.
0: You say, well, what about in the middle of the winter? Aren't they cold? And cats, they they find the little microclimates where it's warmer, and then they just puff up and they they get super cute and they they figure out a way to stay warm.
1: I will say this: our animals, their outdoor animals, are just so beautiful right now because they have these beautiful coats.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: You know, that they're From not, the
0: cows to the dogs to the cats to yeah. the chickens, they, they all get these big, puffy coats.
1: <laughs> they just look so pretty. So, yeah, they find a little warm place against a wall or against a barn or in some hay. Um, our one cat, though, she parked up. The boys had a dump truck with a blanket in it, and she yeah. just sat in a dump truck, <laughs> a toy dump truck for <laughs> by the wall. That was her place, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they know what they're doing.
0: So we've been here two and a half years, but... We're continuing to try and figure out how to integrate all the animals together just to get them interacting. We don't wanna have all these separate things that we're doing. The whole point is that the animals provide help for the homestead and provide help for each other. So we're you know, we're we're kinda of figuring it out as we go and it gets a little crazy sometimes. But
1: Yeah. Oh, I saw one neat thing happen. So we do we have this chicken pasture that's a half acre and we really like the chickens to stay in there. I mean it's funny because I guess if you binge listen to our podcast, we've been podcasting for over a year now, and I think we're learning things. So things we might have said earlier on in the podcast might not be true now. I remember I think last year we let our chickens go over the whole property. And we found that that's not really good because they're really messing up the mulch and things like that. So now we like to keep them in a a big chicken pasture. But they get out a lot. And a few of them getting out is fine, but sometimes if a lot of them get out, we don't like it. So we use our dog to herd them up, and he literally, like, holds them down with his little paw, and then we'll, like, pick them up and throw them back over. Or he'll just chase them, and they'll fly back over. But I've noticed... So sometimes he's in the front, kind of patrolling in the front, and he doesn't see what's going on in the back. So I have to tell him, like... There's a chicken out go get the chicken but lately I've been noticing when the turkeys and the chickens are out if he's barking in the front about something like if there's sorry to our neighbors somebody walking by and he's barking once the, the chickens and the turkeys hear the bark they literally go running back into the pasture yeah the turkeys are hilarious like yeah, they'll just they take are. off running and then they'll jump back in yeah. so yeah that's fun.
0: It's fun to watch them run. They're yes. so goofy looking.
1: Oh, we had our first cows getting out. And keep in mind, we live in a neighbor. <laughs> we live on a farm. I, I say this a million times, um, but we live on a farm. We're back to a huge forest, but then we also live on the edge of this neighborhood. So
0: right. So sometimes my brain doesn't work, and I try and do <laughs> basic things that would be super obvious, and I just forget about them. But anyway, I was dropping some stuff off at the bar, and there's a separate driveway to get to it. And I, I opened up this big 14-foot tube gate, uh, metal tube gate, and took the car in there and dropped stuff off and then drove off. And
1: We went to dinner at a friend's we house. We went to
0: dinner at a friend's house. So we were gone for... Four or five hours. I just left the gate open. I, I didn't even think it. <laughs> we've never about done it. that
1: before. In the two, in a year and a half, we've had cows. right.
0: So we get back and it's dark out, and I was going down to shut up the animals for the night, and I realized that the gate's open. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> and uh, I have a whistle that I use to call the cows when I want them to come, and it's a specific whistle, a, 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 a little, you know, three note tune that I whistle. So I did that. And sure enough, they just, you know, come walking back in from the outside. From the
1: neighborhood. From the
0: neighborhood. (laughs) And they came right back in. I was like, oh my gosh. You know, all of our neighbors that live right next to us, I think, have our number. And we didn't get any phone calls. Right. uh, Anyway, I shut the gate up and then went walk in and there's hoof prints like all over. They went they went for a walk through the woods and all through the neighbor's yard and
1: Oh my gosh. I was like, I can't
0: believe it. People the farmer had laughed when we had gotten the cow and he was like, You don't you don't become a real, you know, cow person until you're Till your cows get out. That's you know, it, it has to happen. So, yeah, so that was the first time happening. Fortunately nothing happened. But then the UPS guy drove by yesterday <laughs> delivering packages, and he said, "I saw your cows were out in the road." A <laughs> Can few you days imagine ago.
1: driving down like a neighborhood street and seeing a huge cow in the street? Like
0: yeah, not in Baltimore.
1: For the UPS guy and like you know your random. I wonder how many people drove down the road and saw our cows in the street.
0: Yeah. That was pretty huh? funny. So the cows got out and no harm was done.
1: Yes. well, I let
0: them out the next, uh, I or I was walking them through the yard the next day and they just went right over to the gate. They were waiting for me to let them out into the street again. Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, our, our neighborhood is so funny because it's just such a mix of little farmettes and, and then just like new houses so i mean i've seen sheep running loose that aren't our sheep obviously we don't have sheep i've seen sheep running loose there was a pig running loose we found goats running loose yeah and it's just so funny because it's just yeah throughout a neighborhood so yeah. it's pretty hilarious yeah. <laughs> so anyway you know i told and every time there's a loose animal everybody thinks it's ours but i'm like if you see cows loose that's us we, right, we don't do the pigs yet or right. the sheep so no. or the goats
0: So back to December on the homestead, I had this question when we first started doing this because everybody has their summer gardens and you have tomatoes and, you know, cabbage and all kinds of cucumbers and all this stuff was what did people eat in the winter? And I didn't know that. I didn't know the answer. That sounds stupid, but I was like, what did people eat in the winter before they had canning and refrigeration and all this kind of stuff? And I didn't know the answer. And so I started to learn a little bit at a time that there's all these foods that will store in winter mm-hmm. quite well and I wanted to be growing a lot of these because I don't want to just have a summer garden and then eat from the supermarket mm-hmm. all winter. Right. And so we did a whole bunch of squash last year that was the first thing and that was really exciting and we've when we planted pear and apple trees I I got a lot of varieties that are really good keepers. So theoretically, they're going to keep all winter long and we'll have those. And then this year we started with sweet potatoes and now we have a crop of those. And we have plans for a big, huge root cellar in the basement. Right now uh, we have uh, still a fairly large area that we can keep all of the squash and and now the sweet potatoes in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that a winter diet would become somewhat simpler like there's definitely less things than you can be eating all through the summer but that there's there's still a lot of high quality just good foods that you can have and it's been it's been really satisfying to still have stuff that we've grown mm-hmm. on our property to eat in winter
1: so you know that you're getting a lot of real nutrients even in the winter so it's been really so We talked about this in another podcast, the hard things about homesteading. When you're getting started, you just feel so behind. Unless you grew up this way, I think. I think there will come a day where we're like we're living in abundance of all of our perennials and the things that we grew, but we're still coming into our third year, so a lot of our perennials aren't taking off quite yet. I think they I think next year is gonna be the year.
0: Right. For trees, you're gonna you know, we bought them so they were already one year old, so we plant them, most of them bare root. And they kind of just get their roots established the first Mm -hmm. year. And then the second year, they start to grow and they gain Mm -hmm. some size, but they're still really just getting established. And then we've noticed with trees, Typically, the third growing season is when they then just really start to take off and do really well.
1: Right. So you know, in the beginning, when you first get your homestead, you're learning, you're making a lot of mistakes. A lot of your stuff doesn't work out, and it can be really discouraging because you have this vision of what it could be, and you hear these stories of what it could be, but then you're still like, you don't have much to show for it. But I feel like this is a first December really where. I feel like, wow, we're really living out homesteading. So for breakfast, I'm going downstairs into our little root cellar and grabbing a a sweet potato and making some eggs. And I have this incredible orange (laughs) breakfast of these orange yolks from our eggs. Yeah, you took
0: a picture of it, and
1: that's really beautiful. It's this beautiful meal. Yeah, these sweet potatoes that are just so nutritious. I mean, the sweet potatoes were a winner, my goodness, eating the greens the sweet potato greens in the summer and now eating the actual sweet potatoes. It's hard to remember what I said in previous podcasts, but I'm pretty sure I talked about how I did not like the sweet potatoes.
0: Well, most of the time when people make sweet potatoes, they mash them up and then dump a ton of sugar on them.
1: Right. Well, it's f- not healthy anymore. I figured out how to like them. I I figured out a way to cook them. So now i become friends to the sweet potatoes. I love them now. How do you cook them? <laughs> I fry them up like I would regular red potatoes, which I love. Just fry them up in o- olive oil and salt and pepper. And sometimes I'll throw in red potatoes
0: with Yeah, it. they're so good. Yeah, they really are and now good. I
1: really like them. And then for lunch, you know, I have my own yogurt from our cow, and uh, you know, I make the granola. We're not really growing oats yet, but hey, maybe someday we'll. <laughs> yeah, I listen
0: to. Uh, I've been listening to some stuff on grains, and they actually sound fairly exciting. So yes. maybe one day.
1: Yeah. So anyway, then we have you know for dinner we'll have our meat from our cow with. Are like spaghetti squash. And it's just like, wow, most of my diet is coming from the homestead. I, and it happened so slowly that I almost didn't, this is the first December that I'm like, wow, we're doing it. It's working. It's, because for so long it's all kind of theory and mistakes, and now we're we're doing it. Yeah, really. I mean, it's really exciting. So. And it's
0: successful enough to me that it gives me a huge motivation to do even more next year.
1: Yes. I yeah. mean,
0: Because we are still buying, you know, a fair amount of stuff from the grocery store. A whole lot less than before, but right.
1: We have a few staples, but yeah. I mean, it's it's exciting to have produce now and meat and dairy, and it's so this has been a this has been a really um, awesome December where we feel.
0: It's nice when the when the harvest starts coming in, mm-hmm. and it comes in. You know, we we all different times we get the cow all at once, and you get the eggs after doing chickens for a while. That's very satisfying. But when the when the abundance of the harvest starts coming in, it makes it really feel worthwhile, and mm-hmm. and the food feels so quality. Yeah, it feels so substantial eating it. It's it's a lot of it's very simple, but it just feels very healthy and quality and. If if anything, that then starts to make a lot of the food that's available in our modernized world seem less appetizing. Oh, Things yeah. that I would have really liked before don't seem, they feel more fake yeah. when, when compared to uh, uh, substantial food.
1: So when I would walk through the grocery store, I would not grab sweet potatoes. I would grab like, oh, I want strawberries and I don't know bananas. I don't know. I I don't know. I would not go for sweet potatoes. But now I go to the store and I that just that's not what I want anymore. I look at but I grab my sweet potato and I, you know, cut it up and cook it and eat it with the eggs and it's just eating is such a fulfilling experience now. Like I worked for this. We grew this. This is so I know this is so nutritious and and beautiful and I don't know. It's that's right. really yeah. cool.
0: So we've planted a ton of apple trees on this property and some of them are getting Big enough now. We'll be getting apples next year for sure, at least a few. And some of the varieties of apple trees that I planted were cider apples specifically. And typically, a a, a cider apple is going to be higher in tannins and uh, a whole bunch of things that separate it from a dessert apple, which is a whole lot sweeter and tastes better right off the tree. And I have this idea that I'm going to be brewing a whole bunch of cider one day, sweet cider and hard cider. And I've decided that I wanted to learn how to do that before all of my apples were coming in, because when my apples come in, I don't want to make some huge batch of cider and have no idea what I'm doing and waste it all. That would be depressing. Depressing, yeah. Oh, so yeah. every once in a while when I see organic apple juice on sale, I'll just get it you know, in the, the, the bottles from the store. And I've been brewing, I've probably done, I don't know, five or six or seven batches now of cider. That was terrible. Oh
1: my gosh. He made me (laughs) think, I took a sip out of it and I spit it out and I was like, that is the most disgusting thing. I'm not, we're not picky eaters, but- that that is wrong. Something is wrong with that. Yeah, I would choke <laughs> it down just to
0: force myself. But he,
1: he just—he's like, I made it. I'm going to drink it. So he's drinking this. Like, I'm like, are you going to die? I mean, that no. there's something wrong with that. It's right. disgusting. So
0: one of the th- reasons it was—it's been hard for me—is I decided that I was going to brew cider the simplest way possible. And right. You can look up how to do that. There's a bunch of you know, just look up simple cider, and it's—it's it's very easy. But
1: oh yeah, let me explain this a little bit. So Pete could. You could make cider very easily if you like had all, if you did all the right contraptions and all the right whatever's. Like, oh, a lot
0: of people get very technical about it, and that's not what I'm going way. for. Right. Yeah, I'm not going for the world's best cider in the world. I just want something that'll be good, and I don't want to put a huge amount of effort into it. I figured if. If Thomas Jefferson could brew cider in his day, yes. then I should be able to do it without massive amount of technology or chemicals right. or right. all these different additives that people put in.
1: And if you did all that, you could make it easily. That's that's why it's been bad. You're trying to figure out the right way to do it without all the extra stuff.
0: Yeah. And I, I've i been pretty – I have not tried very hard either. I just figured I'd learn slow over time. But
1: Yeah. Anyway. We had no argument about that because I was like, why don't you just really read the instructions and follow the instructions? And you're like – I wanted to just figure out how to do this. Somehow.
0: Yeah, and my answer was, <laughs> if I'm going to do this the hard way, I'm not going to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm either going to do it very easy or it's not going to happen, right. so I might as well just try it. And Certain things I feel like you can learn a little bit over time, and failure is as good a teacher as anything, so I failed. <laughs> <laughs> but I the last batch, Kristen had some and liked it. Yeah, she's think, the test.
1: I think I really wanted a drink, and I was like, "All right, I'll I'll have your cider." And then I drank it, and I was like, "What has happened? This tastes good. What?" Because I think it was you've been doing it for a year, maybe. Yeah, probably. So a year ago, when I had it, it was the most disgusting thing ever. I spit it right out, like yeah. out of fear that yeah. I was going to die or something. And then I had it the other day, and it was like, oh oh, this is good. Wow. And you're like, oh, no, it's been progressively getting better. Yeah. But I just I haven't had anything to do with it.
0: Right. So <laughs> so in another year or two, I'll I'll do a big podcast on how to make cider as easily as possible right. and still make a good cider. But right, um, when you're
1: doing all these things, it has to be the things have to be easy. If there's something that's going to take a ton of your work and then you're going to not be able to do the other things you want to do, it, you're not going to do it. So
0: right, that's right. good. Yeah, we've noticed that with every topic about homesteading is there are people that will make it way harder than it needs to be, mm-hmm. and that's not what we're going for. Right. And like Kristen says, if that's what we were doing, then we wouldn't be able to do half of what we're doing. Right. We're going for an integrated permaculture, easy approach, um, right. cut out as many things as possible and still have a really quality product, right. and then we're not stressing about it
1: yeah but I was just I was so surprised when I tasted that cider and it was good, so yeah,
0: it's coming exciting along.
1: exciting yes, um so I want to talk a little bit about homeschooling in december uh, Christmas homesteading so we this our theme is December Christmas time, and um the little different aspects of our life this past month, but homeschooling has been really fun, so I decided we do reading in December, we've done reading, writing, and math every day, because I think that's something that I want to keep, you know, practicing, and I want them to write and do their math and keep up with that. But we've kind of stopped everything else, and we've just done Advent stuff, just focused on Advent, really. So that, what we've been doing is reading a lot of the um, stories of the Old Testament, doing our little Jesse tree, and really studying that. And that's really studying history, too. So it's, it's just a different aspect of history. And We've also been um, cuddling up and reading beautiful Christmas picture books. So we have a tradition where we, every, in the beginning of December, around St. Nicholas's feast day, which is, I think, December 6th, we get a couple new Christmas books. And I like Christmas books that are just beautiful artwork, really just inspirational stories where, like, I'm sitting there reading and, like, tearing up while I'm reading them to the kids, you know. And um, it's just a really special tradition. I mean, reading is just such an important part of our little cozy homesteading slow life
0: yeah and that brings us to a neat story that we've learned about homeschooling this year so people's brains are as diverse as every other part of human beings Mm -hmm. and Something that's very logical and obvious but is also being discovered through studies and psychology now is that everybody learns vastly different. There's all these different ways of taking in information and people are more naturally inclined to one or two or three ways and not so inclined to one or two or three ways. Right. And so one of our goals as homesteading parents is to figure out how our kids learn. And it's going to be very different from each other, mm-hmm. more than likely. Mm-hmm just because our kids are very different. So because we're homeschooling and it's, you know, Kristen's doing most of that, but we only have just our children, it allows for the ability to teach them each differently Mm. uh, if needed. So our oldest son was always just very quick to to learn information, Mm -hmm. both by just on his own he he can learn on his own but also just when you speak to him he gets it you can explain things and he mm-hmm. just immediately understands but he learned how to read when he was 4 and has just been a voracious reader ever
1: since mm-hmm. well and the thing i worry about him is he remembers everything so if he re- if he reads something he re- he started picking up books when he was 4 and when he reads something or he remembers things forever, so I feel like we have to like not mess up around him because he's going to be that kid that's like, "Mom, remember when I was <laughs> six and you did this thing wrong?" Like, he just remembers everything, and so I mean, some examples. I can't
0: not mess up. That's just uh, so I just say sorry a lot.
1: Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about both of our kids, and I think it will be encouraging to listeners who have children who learn differently. But so our first son, he's just the one that he reads and then remembers everything, and he loves. Um, Factual things. So he's always reading like geography books and history books and science books. And then he's randomly telling me these facts throughout the day where I'm like, Who are you? Like one time I was looking at a map and I was just kind of talking to myself. He's a kindergartner. So I have this kindergartner and I'm kind of talking to myself looking at a map.
0: Back when he was a kindergartner. Back,
1: yeah, I'm sorry. He's a second grader now. But back when he was in kindergarten, um, I was kind of just talking to myself. I wasn't really talking to anyone. I was just looking at a map and I said, What? what continent is Russia in? Is Russia in Asia or is Russia in Europe? And I'm just talking to myself and he goes, mom, it's both. It's divided by this mountain range. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, what are you? Who are you? <laughs> and, you know. And one time I'm out in the yard and I found this weird looking caterpillar and I said, boys, come look at this caterpillar that I found. And Justin looks at it and he's like, oh, that's a... Saddleback caterpillar. It has a sting that can make a grown man wail. And I'm like, where do you know the word whale? And what are you? <laughs> you know. So he just kind of takes in facts and remembers them. And that's just how he is. And then our our next child. He is in first grade now, and he is very artistic. I mean, the pictures that he draws are really, really impressive. We didn't know it that they were. We just thought every kid could draw like that until their mom started. Seeing his drawings, and they were like, "What on earth? He's yeah. three, and he could draw this amazing train." And now we have our other three-year-old who, like, draws a sort of circle and comes running to us and is like, <laughs> like wow.
2: "Look, look!"
1: And I'm like, "Wow, it's amazing! Wow, <laughs> a, it's a circle that's not even a good circle. circle, you know." <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so our 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 second son is a, an excellent artist, but I can try to teach him something over and over and over again and he does not remember it so for example we'll be learning we'll be doing geography and i'll be like i'm gonna be an amazing teacher today you know we're learning about paris france i went to paris we're gonna i'll show you pictures like we have this we learn about different um countries or continents and then we have these little landmarks that you learn about that are fun for the kids so for example we'll be learning about paris and they'll learn about the Eiffel Tower. And so we'll watch YouTube videos all about facts about the Eiffel Tower and we will color in the Eiffel Tower and we'll, you know, I'll tell them over and over again about Paris, France. And then by lunch, I'm like, "All right, where is where is the Eiffel Tower?" And my son my second son'll just look at me and he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> but we went over this like all day long. I was an amazing teacher. How do you not know that? You know, so yeah. the contrast in them is, you know, have one son who picks up everything and remembers it for life, and another son who we went through it all morning long, and he still does not remember it.
0: So it would be very easy if you if he was only taught by explaining things to him verbally to think that he doesn't have a very good memory, and for some reason he can't, you know, he can't pick things up, mm-hmm. and it would be easy to think that if that's the only way that you could teach. Right. But it's not.
1: Right. So Pete came home cuz I'm telling Peter I'm like he doesn't we've been going over like Paris, France all morning and he can't remember it. And so Pete made up a little song about like the Eiffel Tower is in Paris, France. Right. And the Eiffel
0: Tower is in Paris, France. <laughs> yeah, and, he sang and I it. taught him this song, right? That's that's pretty simple. Right. worked.
1: And then he picked it up and then he could remember things. Like, so
0: Because we noticed, you know, he loves music, he loves listening to music, so why not incorporate information into music and as soon as that happened for whatever reason his brain picks it up and retains it
1: i think that um spoken word and and song come from i i haven't really researched it yet i need to but I'm, i think they might come from different parts of the brain or right. something so right. he can he can pick things up so easily when they are um when they are sung so the re- and we're tying this into christmas this does have a, a christmas point so this december i got a cd that i just highly recommend it's called um Behold the Lamb of God by Andrew Peterson. And it's a CD. It's like an Advent slash Christmas CD where he... It's perfect for Advent because Andrew Peterson, the musician on the, the CD, he goes through some Old Testament songs or just songs kind of that are really beautiful um, about stories of the Old Testament or... Um, yeah, he's naturally prophet, a
0: storyteller Isaiah. in the way that he, he does his music. Yeah, it's
1: like a story being told through the CD mm-hmm. of you know salvation history and preparing you for the coming of of the Savior. So we're listening to the CD, and I'm not kidding you. There's a fun song on the CD called um, Matthew's Matthew's Begots, I guess is what it is, um, by Andrew Peterson. And it's a fun song that basically takes Matthew's, the genealogy of Jesus, and he sings the genealogy of Jesus. And our six-year-old learned it, the whole genealogy of Jesus in two weeks of you know, listening to the CD from time to time, right. he picked it up. So this kid who can't remember things like the Eiffel Towers in Paris, France, can learn all these random old names from the Old Testament, the lineage of Jesus, in yeah, two weeks. So cool. I mean, so if you have a kid who you have a hard, who has a hard time learning, just, and you're like, I don't know how I'd homeschool this kid, I mean, there are just so many different ways where you can learn. I mean, it's yeah. amazing that this kid picked up this this genealogy of Jesus at six years old, and he wants to sing it for everyone. So we have this for you today. it's very
0: good. You're going to love it.
1: Yeah, it's really fun.
0: Okay, so we've brought John Paul in here to sing. Say hi, John Paul. Hey. John Paul, how old are you?
2: Six years old. All
0: right. Are you ready to do your song? Yep. All right, take it away.
2: Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, Jacob he had Judah and his kin. Then Perez and Sarah came for Judah's woman. They mocked Perez and and up and then came Aaron and the man of dad, Then Nash who was in the dad of Solomon. Frey had five for Boaz. Ruthie married Boaz. who had a baby had Jesse. Jesse he had David who we know as king. David, he had Solomon by Debbie his wife, Solomon, while well, you all know, and he had good old Raybone, and followed by Bajan, who had Asa, Asa had Joe, was fat, and Joram had his eye, Joseph and Ahazah had the followed by Madison, who had Amen who was Amen, was father of a good boy named Josiah. Who Grandfather Joiakin, who caused the Babylonian captivity, because he was a liar. Then he had Jehoshiel, who began to rebel, who had Abiotta, had Eliakim. Eliakim had Azar, who had Zadok, who had Achan. Achan was the father of And Then he had Eliezer, who had Nathan who had Jacob. listen very closely, I don't want to sing this twice. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Husband, Mary, Mother of Christ. (laughs) (laughs) You're so awesome.
1: High five. You good are job. so awesome. That was John
0: Paul, who knows the entire genealogy of Jesus.
1: Yes. And so next time, for those of you who are not Catholic, if if you hear someone say that Catholics don't know the Bible, you can say, well, actually, I know a six-year-old.
2: <laughs>
1: Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. <laughs>
2: Very so good. That,
1: thanks, John Paul. You're awesome. Good job. Um, so that's thanks to Andrew Peterson, at his Behold the Name of God CD. I highly recommend it for you for next December. Definitely. For sure.
0: All right, so we're going to go have some Christmas Eve fun with our family. Uh, We wish you a Merry Christmas season and a Happy New Year.
1: Yes, Merry Christmas from our homestead to yours.
0: Bye-bye.